I'm Melissa Currens. And I'm Amy Yersted. And we welcome you to the 26th episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This show is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we're continuing our five-part series, and we're talking about how to organize, specifically how to organize people. A lot of the information in this Deeds Not Words segment comes from Virginia Civic Engagement Table Program, Virginia Progressive Leadership Project, where I learned how to do Organizing 101, as well as Wellstone Training, an organization that helps progressive groups like the League do their work better. To listen to the three earlier episodes in this five-part series, check out our website, alicepaulpodcast.com. And on there, you'll find links and resources so that you can craft your own story and narrative. Also, check us out on Alice Paul Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, alicepaul underscore pod on Twitter. Also, stay to the end of the show because we have an activist tip to share. So Amy, what has been keeping you busy these days? League. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but league. Lots and lots of league. Actually, and PTA, which I've never done before, but now I'm PTA as well. So we have this really cool, exciting uh, opportunity working with high school students. Uh, In the summertime, we organize a small group of young women on our high school campus here in Northern Virginia. And they have been meeting monthly with a a teacher who is, I call call her the anchor teacher. And so she keeps them um, kind of connected to us. And the students, we ask them what they'd like to do, and I kind of give them a buffet of things that the league works on. And so what they've decided wanted to do is they wanted to do a voter registration drive throughout the day, one day this spring. They want to, um, they have this thing called rodeo. So all the students, um, a couple, like one day a month, can they break up into groups if they want, they take a class, and then 90 minutes they get to kind of like use that time to educate other students or play games or whatever. So our our student unit group for the league, they're going to talk about how hard it is to vote in Virginia, they're going to do voter registration drive, and then they're going to play civic games in that 90 minutes. So that's super cool. And then um, lastly, the thing that we're really excited about is that Next month, I'm going to train our high school students how to do a candidate forum along with um, our league members, traditional league members. So all together, we're going to learn together how to do a candidate forum. And then uh, in April, my students, along with some other student groups at the high school, are going to run the program. So for the most part, they'll do the whole thing by themselves, and we'll just be you know, in the peripheral for support. Um, but they're going to be the moderator, question screener coming up with the questions and all that stuff. So we, we're going to do our Senate district um, race as well as our Commonwealth attorney, so kind of like our prosecuting attorney for the area. Um, and so, so far we have two candidates that have con- uh, no, three candidates confirmed out of a four, so three out of the four, and uh, should be super, super exciting. So the kids are really excited about it. That's so great. I mean, I love that they're getting, like, they're doing a lot of the work and are really involved. I mean, the hope for me is that it's a new dynamic. One, we're developing these students to be more um, more involved, more engaged citizens. The questions for the candidate forums are going to come from them. So the elected leaders will know that the kids are engaged, they're paying attention, they're asking questions, um, and they'll, you know, we'll teach them how to hold those elected leaders accountable when, you know, whoever gets elected will be, um, you know, when they're in the office. And um, yeah, and then hopefully 
the idea is that if the kids are there, the parents will want to come too because they want to see their kids running this forum. And so hopefully we'll have a lot of butts in the seats because kids are running it. Parents will be there. It's at the um, at the high school. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's like a win-win for everybody. Last year we did an episode on high school voter registration. If uh, you haven't checked that out, we recommend that too. There's yep. really good tools to get um, high school students active, active and engaged. Hopefully you'll already have started talking about it with your voter service, voter education committee, and then making uh, those initial contacts with the high schools and colleges talking about you know getting onto campus and when that's going to be and what it'll look like. Um, because the spring is when you really want to, you know, get that big push to do voter registration at the high schools. Check out that past episode. Check out resources online at the lwv.org website as well. For our Deeds Not Words segment, we're going to be continuing on with our training series. And this time we're going to be talking about organizing, which I'm really excited about. I used to be a tenant organizer. That was my first job out of college. I don't know if I told you that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did block groups. So like trying to uh, create community, but we also, I helped organize like a a candidate meet and greet. So like candidates for the city council came and like we had a barbecue and then they talked with residents. It was like really cool. We had the media come and at the time there was a lot of violence and in the, in this community. So, um, we like talked to the police and we really like, like letting the police know like what the residents concerns were. It was really interesting to like see the power of organizing come to life. Wow, that's super cool. So at the heart of organizing is relationship building and inviting people to join the movement. So kind of like what you were just talking about, Melissa, with bringing people in and having that barbecue. Um, I imagine there was a lot of footwork and one-on-one discussions before you actually got to um, your party day at with that barbecue. Right. Um, it's it's all organizing. Really, what it is 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 about connecting people with their passions and helping them find out about you know, to kind of like make how, allowing them to realize what it is they care about and getting them to the place where they can help move action. You're basically facilitating, you know, their passions and connecting it to the work. And they oftentimes don't know that this work is even happening. And so you can kind of, you know, share with them that it is and that they can be part of it. This is our episode four in this five part series. And so this is all about one-on-one meetings and organizing and um, where the expectations, debriefs, next steps, and where the asks are all worked out in those one-on-one organizing meetings. And so, like I said before, I learned this when I went to the Virginia Progressive Leadership Project. We spent an entire weekend on this. Mind you, Melissa and I are just going to chat with you for a few minutes, but if you have an opportunity to practice this um, and to like get into small groups with your league or with a, your organization that you're working with, I highly recommend it. Um, use the earlier podcast episodes about storytelling um, and values and start there first. Uh, Find out what, you know, really dive deep about your values, identify those, you know, craft your story. And then that is going to help your organizing conversation um, come out even easier. So, so we'll go ahead and keep going, move on as, so as I learned at the progressive, the Virginia progressive leadership project, organizing starts with a conversation and that conversation is really structured. It's not all kicking back with a glass of wine and talking politics. It's actually a choreographed conversation about values, needs, passions, and an ask. And in this conversation, you should be developing and building a relationship, identifying what the person cares about, moving that person to take meaningful action based on the issues they told you that matter to them. And this 
conversation should create a real connection and build the movement one person at a time. The organizing structure has seven sections, and it is a little bit to kind of keep these in mind, but as you practice them, they'll become more and more natural. So the seven sections are first, you have the introduction. Second is the issues are discussed. Third is agitation. Fourth is the organizer shares their vision or the plan for making things better. Fifth, you make the ask. Six is inoculation. I'll explain this in a few minutes. And lastly, seventh is the follow-up. So those are the seven steps of the organizing conversation. And to make these steps and the overall conversation more effective, the organizer must keep they're talking to no more than 30% and allow the person who you're talking with talk 70% of the time. It's a lot. And that's probably, I find, I find that's <laughs> no surprise, probably the hardest part of the organizing conversation. Cause sometimes you meet someone and you feel like it's awkward and like there might be some awkward silence times and you want to fill that space, but you can't, you really have to let them kind of come out and talk and talk about who they are and what they care about. So active listening is what the organizer does during that 70% of the time. And you're getting to know the person, you're learning about what they care about and understanding what drives them. And in this listening time, you must leave all of your assumptions at the door. You make no judgments and you just listen. And as the organizer, it's your role to help people learn about how they can get involved and to show genuine care and interest. And I, I don't mean fake in it. This is not like a fake it till you make it kind of moment. You have to be a freaking human who cares about others, or maybe it's time to find a different line of work. <laughs> Lastly, organizing is not always natural. It takes practice. Active listening takes practice. Making an ask takes practice. So don't be afraid to practice on your friends and family before taking your organizing out to the real world. And if you watch kids, if you have kids, try the organizing conversation on them. You'll be surprised what you can get done. And because the organizing conversation at first doesn't feel natural, I want to make sure I'm upfront and clear about this. You're not selling anything, not your movement, not a volunteer role, nothing. It should not feel like selling. If it does, then you're not being genuine or authentic and you're rushing the relationship building. If you feel that selling feeling happening to you, take a break and reevaluate why you're pushing or why you're, why you feel like you're selling. This is really, it's really, really is important because you have to believe that you want to be making more friends and relationship building and, and helping people find their passions and then connecting those passions to the work. And if that's, if that's not what's happening, if you feel like you're just selling volunteer gig, it, you really aren't doing the right thing. So take a break. And I think this can be hard for us league members because, you know, a lot of times we're so used to having the answers. So, mm. um, you know, that's part of the strength of our organization is that we have done a lot of research on like how government works and we, we feel the need to share that with others. But really what we're saying here is that taking the time to listen to what the other person is saying is the key. It's not just sharing what we have found out. Yep, totally. Yeah, and if we, if we're doing all the talking um, about like what we know or what we've seen um, or who we are, then you're not going to find out what that person across the table cares about, who they are, um, you know, what they already know, what their talents are. You'll find out nothing, and then you'll have lost uh, this opportunity to really connect with them, and, and that's a shame. That's a shame. Right. 
Okay, so first is the introduction. So I'm going to go through all the steps in more detail now. And the first one is first stage is introduction. So when you meet someone at a voter registration drive and they ask for more information and they say they're interested in getting involved or learning more about the league's work or signing your sign-in sheet, that's a time when it's time to invite them to talk. So you have their information, you text them or you call them or you email them, the interested person, and you invite them to coffee. Let them know how long that you plan to chat so that they can kind of have a head, like have a good understanding what's expected. You work out the location and the date. Once you meet up at your date, uh, the organizing conversation begins. So this stage is about getting to know each other and developing a relationship. You share who you are and why you're there. For example, I'm Amy, and I'm a volunteer with the League, and I wanted to talk to you about voter education in our community. This sets the tone for the conversation. It gets the person's attention, and it puts them at ease. Make sure you're clear, concrete, and concise. It's not the time to talk in depth, as we just mentioned, and for, and you don't want to talk for a long time. It's just a nice icebreaker to set the tone. You do want to talk about what drives you and why you care, and then you transition to, so what are the issues that you care about? What keeps you up at night? And then that's really when they get to open and start talking about themselves, and then you listen. How long do you think something like, like the introduction would take? Just like a couple minutes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think especially for your introduction, it shouldn't take very long at all. A couple minutes, barely. Okay. Um, yeah, for sure. And then they should be talking about um, themselves. And so we'll, we'll get more into that in one second. Um, so which brings me to stage two, um, and that's getting to the issues. And so after they kind of talk about who they are and maybe like what they, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, and I do this for a job. Um, then you're going to learn more about what they care about. And you might need to ask them, so what issues do you care about? You're learning about the prospective volunteer and what they care about using open-ended questions and active listening. And you're getting to know more about what they're interested in and getting an understanding of how they can, how you can help them feel empowered in our work. And while in this stage, you want to make sure you ask broad questions, questions about what brought them to the community, what was their childhood like, how long they've lived in the community, um, how they have seen the community change. Uh, the key is to focus on identity and getting to know the person. You want to learn their narrative, their story. Some of the questions should be like, what's important to you about X? Or what do you like about X? Or what would you change about X? It's really important that in this part that you're doing all the listening. Just as I said before, um, I can't stress this enough. It really should be 70-30 or 80-20 even. You listen and they share. And don't assume anything, again, about the person. You don't know them. You you don't go f- fishing for issues that you want to hear about. It um, Otherwise, it'll just sound like you're not really listening and you're not being genuine. You do want to take mental notes about some of the issues that they are sharing and identifying with um, and what you feel that could be most meaningful to the work that you're already doing. Um, But you have to make sure you're listening because some of the things that they talk about, those issues might not come up right away. So if they start talking about um, the changes in their community and they're moving so quickly and they're having a hard time adjusting to it, um, you might want to ask some more deeper questions about those changes um, and it might get to, you know, 
potentially it could get to maybe like they don't feel that people are engaged enough um, and showing up at city council meetings, you know. And so the more you prod about like why they are feeling this way, you might get to some of the deeper issues and their values. And then that way you can find some common ground and some common sharing in your um, work. In my experience, it's better to not like be taking a lot of notes. It's more like like keeping the eye contact and like you know shaking your head and like um, giving those verbal clues that you're really interested. Because if you start taking notes, it feels like very clinical. Oh, for sure. You this is not a taking notes kind of situation. This is like totally like going out for coffee, getting to know the person. Um, I mean, after this, you guys should be good friends. You know, if you know you and I met, I wouldn't be bringing my notebook and taking notes about what you said because <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> right? Just you know, it's like it's keeping that eye contact is going to be the key. Yeah, and actually, I was going to get more into it in a minute, but um, you really want to also like mirror body language. So like, if they're really open um, and like chilling, you want to be open and chilling, um, and so you want to either be modeling that open and like welcome friendly body language, or if they already have it, then you're just mirroring it. Um, so yeah, I should just, you should be a totally engaged, active listener being very positive, um, in all of your, like your facial expressions. I mean, of course, unless it's like a sad story, then, you know, you want to respond appropriately. But like no uh, ju- judgy looks and that's what you're saying. No. Like, yeah. Like, totally. What? Like, <laughs> that's <nice>. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if like the city council's in their story, someone said something stupid, but you're just, you know, you're cool. Like it's like meeting your next best friend and you're just can't wait to meet this person and find what common grounds um, and what common values you share. And so that's really what it is. Um, so the next step, uh, next stage is agitation. When I first heard this, I was like, what? What does that mean? Um, this is about tapping into righteous anger. And I love how the Virginia Progressive Leadership Project put this. It's tapping into their righteous anger. It's pushing them to action. After you've learned more about the prospective volunteer and the issues that they care about, you should focus on that issue. Ask them open-ended agitation questions that connect to their issue. For example... How does that impact you? So if you're talking about, like I said, like say um, the changes in the community, you might go back and ask them, how does that impact you? How does that impact your family? Your questioning should push the person out of their comfort zone. Again, make sure you're not doing most of the talking and that the prospective volunteer is getting agitated about how the issues affect them, their family, and their community. So you're really just, you're, you're pushing them because you're questioning like it's kind of almost like forcing them to think deeper about why you know why they care about this issue so like for example you know voter education is something that we league members care a lot about and sometimes we feel that people you know might be voting against their interests and we always come back to it's because of voter education people just don't know how the process works or what you know what the details are and so we feel that you know if we could just help them facilitate that education then it might be better so you know thinking about some of these like baseline things um oftentimes like for me personally everybody knows by now money and politics is my issue and so i can always bring it back to like well if you don't like change and you're they're building all of these big giant apartment buildings into your community did you check and see if you know what the money and politics situation is who's getting money does is that impacting the community and so it's it's always trying to get back to it's you're not fishing for it but you are trying to get them to think, um, you know, sometimes we don't always get to think about these issues in such a deep way. And, you know, having us league members, um, 
you can, this is a really good opportunity to allow that person some space to kind of like dive into the issues that they really care about. And you're just kind of facilitating that. Um, stage four is now that they're hot and bothered. Uh, so now you need to help them realize that there's a plan and that they can be involved in it. Stage four of the organizing one-on-one conversation is about sharing the vision or the plan to win. And you're providing a vision to turn that righteous anger into productive action. The vision must be connected to their issue. So, you know, if if the league's not working on their issue, then don't force that, you know, round peg into the square. You really want to try to connect their issue with the work that we're working on. So in this stage, you're still asking open-ended questions, and these are focused on helping them envision change. For example, you might ask, what would improvements like voter registration look like? Or what would... Uh, more voter education or more civics classes or more, you know, what would public financing of elections mean for your community? Um, How would that change representation in your community? So those might be, you know, just an example, um, some questions that you might ask. And so the point is to ask open-ended questions to help them envision how to make change happen and to realize change is possible. Sometimes we, you know, we're so angry, we get frustrated with the system Um, but we don't know that there's an actual plan that's working. And so we're helping that person across the table know that there are people actively working on this and that we need their help. And so you also want to ask who has the power to achieve, you know, whatever it may be that you're trying to achieve. If the plan is to get change, um, is about talking to elected leaders or leaders with power, you might ask what would happen if two of your friends, um, went to go and talk to, you know, your legislator. Or what if 200 people went to talk to your legislator? What kind of changes do you think might happen? And so kind of bringing them aboard to show them that that way they can envision themselves doing that and that they're part of the change um, to this issue that they care about. Or if the issue is connecting voting, like we always work on, you know, your question might be, what if we boosted turnout by 20%, especially if you're thinking like, you know, issue campaigns? These questions are about getting you and the person to think about how change could look. And since you are in the know, you'll know how these questions relate to past victories. So after you ask your open-ended questions and they and the prospective volunteer gives their ideas, then tie some of the previous victories in to show how that vision has worked out in the past, giving them hope, you know, these victories do lead to, to more successes. And with the league, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had a hundred years of successes, so there's really Mm -hmm. a lot of great, um, things to, to reach back depending on what comes up. And then also knowing like what other, like maybe other leagues are doing or other States that are not your state. Yeah. I think right now, like, especially when we think of like redistricting and all of the successes that have happened across the country, like, you know, my state, that's something we always look to. We're like, we have all these great States now that have passed redistricting or are working through the process. And so we can keep going back and like bringing more and more volunteers aboard because we're like, yes, you're angry. Yes. This system is unfair, but look there, it, there is hope. There are these other states that have done it, and if they've done it, we can do it too. Similarly, like public financing of elections. We're like, look at Maryland. There's several different cities in Maryland that have done this. You know, look at the Seattle, look at some of these other places. They've got it. We can do this too. And so even though, you know, maybe in our community we haven't had this success, just like you're saying, we can look across the country and we can look to other organizations. We can either look to other campaigns, other public policies or electoral policies, and use that to show that um, 
a win is possible. And and this is like sharing our expertise, but kind of after they've already talked to you. Like, yep. This is yep. The, this yep. is the time to to sh- um, share it and probably not overwhelm them either. Yeah, totally. So next, the next stage is stage five, and that's the ask. This is the part that people oftentimes get nervous. So I recommend practicing, even if it's just this part, practice it. Um, and it's also helpful to practice this because it's also the same idea when you're doing fundraising. So you want to invite them into the plan. You know that you know who they are. You know what they care about now. You've agitated them. And then you let them in on what the plan is. So now it's time to ask them to join you. Your ask needs to be clear, concrete, and concise. You want it to be appropriate, but bold. So for an example, you might ask, your, your ask might sound something like, will you join my voter education committee? It can be as simple as that. Or it could be, will you call your legislator today? That's not too hard. Or maybe it's, will you join me at the rally on Monday at five o'clock? The ask needs to be specific. And after you make the ask, be comfortable with silence. Just like that. (laughs) It might even be longer. (laughs) You want to let them answer. Um, And you don't, uh, you might feel like you need to fill that quiet air with your words because you're nervous, um, especially because you just made the ask and you don't know what they're thinking, but you don't. Don't fill that time with you, with your words. Just sit quietly and wait for them to decide. If you need to, drink a cup of coffee while you wait. Just let them decide. If they come back with no, they go back to their issue, such as, well, if we don't speak out, will our legislators do anything different about the dark money in our political system? Or you could say, like, if we don't show up, will our system be transparent and more accountable to our community? So you're kind of going back to their issues and why they got so agitated. Um, and then and then you're just kind of kind of go back to that ask. And they'll tell you maybe why they said no. Maybe, maybe right now is not different or it's not a good time for them or... Or maybe the ask was a little more than they could take right now and they could do something a little smaller. You'll work through it, um, but don't give up because they are passionate. They're sitting with you right now. They opened up to you. Um, so now it's time to work with them. So, But make sure when you do make that ask, like I said, there's going to be some quiet time and that's okay. That's good. They're thinking right now. Don't fill that air time and then just wait for them to come back. And they might be something like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Calling my legislator, no problem. And if, that, if it's that easy, then your, your, your ask wasn't hard enough, and maybe you need to ask a little more. So this brings me to the next stage, which is stage six, inoculation. And I said I'd, I would um, talk with this one more thoroughly because the word inoculation is a little strange in an organizing conversation. Really what inoculation means is it's just a fancy way of saying it allows the prospective volunteer feel, to feel emotions about the plan. It asks them questions about how they're feeling about the issues as it relates to the vision. Talk about how the plan is going, um, how it's going to take a while, how one rally or one phone call isn't going to resolve the issue. Um, so some questions you might ask in this inoculation phase is, we, will we be able to achieve this in one month? So you're giving them some, they're getting some perspective right now. Or you might ask, will we get everything we want right away? Or you could ask, What will the powers that be say? This stage lets the prospective volunteers envision and anticipate the challenges and how those challenges will be overcome. You want to stay positive. Inoculation isn't about scaring them to paralysis. 
It's about giving them the opportunity to be part of the plan and feeling ownership of the strategy. So remember, they feel passionate about change and being involved. So they need to come to terms with what that change is and that how this one you know tactic isn't going to fix everything. And then the issue... Um, and how the issue is going to take some time to resolve itself. It's you know these are it's a long term game situation. Um, there's a lot of hard work and obstacles, and those challenges are to be expected. So inoculation is kind of like giving them a dose of reality and then letting them come to that reality on their own. And then you're making them you're making sure that they're processing that with you. So, yep, exactly. um, so you have an opportunity to do that. So they're not just they don't just come to that after they've already left you. Because you, yep. you're being like real with them. Exactly. Yep, exactly. I think this is also like how we show how, you know, this is like I, we ha- we're, I'm genuine about this. I care. And that, you know, just by you showing up, it's not going to be all like daisies and unicorns. Like it's going to be hard. They might not like this. And, you know, in some of these places, it might be like, this is like a nonviolent resistance. Like, you know, we might, someone might get arrested. Like you might be like for real, real. Um, and that's, that's what you need to be when you talk to your volunteers. So like, this is what the issue is. We got that. This is what the plan is. This is what I need you to do. Will you be here? And then by being here, that's amazing and awesome, but I want you to know it's not going to fix everything. That's where it doesn't feel like sales because you're not lying to them. Like, I I feel like Mm -hmm. this is like the, like the real truth telling. Yeah. Um, And so that leads us up to our very last stage, stage seven, and that's the follow-up. With your new friend and volunteer, you're going to identify and agree on clear next steps. Establish the next steps moving forward. These steps should be appropriate, relevant, and specific. So going back to the ask in stage five, you ask them to, say, maybe talk to five of their friends and bring them to a rally or talk with their elected leaders, or maybe you ask them to serve on the voter education committee. So now you want to set a date to follow up to make sure that the work that they did, they got it done, and to find out how did it feel. Essentially, you're checking in and making sure the work was done, and if it wasn't, you'll learn why, and then you're going to move on from there. You're also checking in and continuing to develop that relationship. Now that you have this new friend who wants to join the team, make sure you nurture this relationship by checking in. Okay, so that's it. Those are seven steps. Um, So some final notes. What'd you say? That's super easy. Yeah, I know, right? It's only seven. (laughs) It's only seven. Um, So some final notes is uh, you want to remember to take your time um, with each stage in the organizing conversation. Don't rush it. Let them talk and express what matters to them, who they are, and what they care about. Always go back to the issues that they care about. Listen more, talk less. Remember what I said, that 70-30 rule. This is really, really hard, but it's imperative that you listen and let them talk. By listening, you're learning and building this new relationship. And I, I have to say, when I was in the Coast Guard, one of, one, thing that, one of many things that I learned is people like to hear themselves talk. So this is an opportunity to let them let them talk. Think like we said before, you want to think about that body language, your body language, their body language, watch their body language. You know, we learn a lot about the placement of our bodies um, and w- whether we're open and we're closed. And so you want to mirror the body long- language as possible, just like we had already talked about. Be open, be positive. 
Also, consider the room and the environment for the conversation. Um, Is the room loud? Is it cold? Does it have a weird smell? Make sure the room is conducive to a good conversation and makes you both feel comfortable. So you'll want to already like have that stuff figured out ahead of time before you guys, you know, settle in and, and get comfortable. And then practice your flow. It takes time for us organizers to feel comfortable with this. So make sure you review this episode or the show notes and practice and, and just make sure that you practice, practice, practice. I really, I really can't say that enough. I, when we were at the Progressive Leadership Project, just like we did our storytelling, like all weekend after we did, um, they you know kind of gave us the steps and how to do this. Um, we had to practice over and over and over and over again. I bet we probably practiced it close to ten times in one day alone. And so it becomes more natural. And now I, I, I am finding myself doing this when I'm in league just kind of doing it more natural now. So just practice it. You'll get it. You're not selling something. Just remember, you're developing a relationship based on shared values and experiences and a common goal. You're learning about your community when you're doing these organizing conversations, and you're helping people connect their issues to the work that will achieve a more just world. So you're not selling anything. You're meeting more people, You're learning about the people in your community, about the issues that they care about. And if those issues connect to the league's work, that's outstanding. And then you can bring more people into this mission to help empower people, empower voters and to defend democracy. Hells yeah. Thank you, Amy, for sharing um, more about the organizing conversation. Do you do this in your advocacy or education work? And if you're not doing it, now's the time to learn the flow and to practice, like Amy said. Remember the steps are... Introduction, issues, agitation, vision or plan, ask, inoculation, and follow-up. These are the seven steps that um, make an effective one-on-one when you're organizing. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at alicepaulpodcast at gmail.com or drop us a message on our Facebook or Twitter page. Um, Also, um, check out the show notes uh, for this episode for more resources and tools. And again, our website's alicepaulpodcast.com. And if you have any questions or want Amy's help, email us. I want to make an ask of our listeners, you know, since we're learning how to do this. So um, make sure sure that if you can give us a review on iTunes, um, on the Apple store, Um, it really helps fellow advocates know that we're here and we are, um, we are a great resource to learn how to do more of this work and help spread the work of Alice Paul around. This is Melissa Currents. And this is Amy Yersten. We ask, what would Alice Paul do? But it's more important what you're going to do. The work you are doing will be more effective when you invite more people. When you have more friends and you have an understanding of their passions and issues, you can grow the movement and influence. Practice the one-on-one organizing conversation and grow your movement. Help people realize their potential and to take action. Together, we will make the world better. Until next time.